Beloved congregation of Jesus Christ, it is really special to be edified by both given sacraments in one worship service. Our senses are working overtime today in the church, and spiritually wise, it is a great and, and such a blessing to us. And I assume that most of us can also make the connection between these two sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Both are given by our Lord in order to strengthen our faith. And using them in faith, one must continually see one's baptism as a reminder of God's promises. And see and taste the Lord's Supper as a reminder of Christ's sacrifice. But we also confess this afternoon what God's Word tells us about His providence. Or rather the way He continues to provide for us. With His almighty power, of course, as the basis for His provisions. Knowledge of God's creation and professing His sovereign providence in question answer 28 of the Heidelberg Catechism enables us, therefore, also to be patient in adversity and thank the Lord in all things. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18. But there are more benefits to knowing God's sovereignty. Namely, the assurance of salvation and confidence that we will persevere in a state of grace until the end of our lives. This is also part of integral part of God's providence. And therefore there is a beautiful connection between the two sacraments and God providing for us with regards to our eternal salvation. This is not always easy to comprehend. And we can ask the question, and I can ask it to brother and sister Dijkstra and to all other parents for that matter. How do you know for sure that Caden will persevere in the faith? And also one day, as a baptized child, sit with you at the Lord's table. And here I don't think of the fact that the Lord could take Caden to himself any moment he wants. That counts, by the way, for, for everyone, no matter how old you are. But what I mean is this. How do you as parents perceive and deal with the, the longing for your child to profess his or her faith and share in the bread and the wine? For him to sustain the faith until his old age. And sure, you could say, well, Riff, isn't it a bit early to think about this? I mean, Caden is just a, a week old. Why would we even think about his public profession of faith and his Lord's Supper celebrations now? That's true. And yet, don't we as parents already at a very early stage ask ourselves the same question people ask when Zechariah and Elizabeth presented their baby John for circumcision. 
And they ask the question, what will become of this child? What kind of child will this be? Will my child answer positively on his baptism? Well, when asking these questions, we should do so according to our confession and in connection with God's providence. Trusting in God's sovereignty, you as parents can be confident that God will connect Caden's baptism with his future Lotte celebrations. Because nothing can separate God's covenant children, including Caden, from his love. And so I preach to you God's word as we confess it in Lord's Day 10 under the theme, Both baptism and Lord's Supper confirm that nothing shall separate God's covenant children from his love. It's evident, first of all, in his providential power, and second, in the gift of his son. Congregation, the catechism follows a truly biblical way of speaking when it defines providence as follows. God's providence is his almighty and ever-present power, whereby as with his hand he still upholds heaven and earth and all creatures and so governs them. Note the expression. As with his hands he upholds Everything with his ever-present power. And as we sometimes have something in our hands, if I have this, this book of praise in my hands, I should hold on to it. In the same way, comparatively speaking, God upholds and governs everything with his hand. Now, as we hold something... As we move it or control it, so also the Lord has everything in His powerful hands to move it and to control it. He upholds, He governs it. Everything, not only heaven and earth, but also all creatures, without exception, are in the hands of the Lord. But the Catechism adds to this stating that providence is God's almighty and ever-present power with which he holds everything in his hands. As mentioned, for us to hold something, we must have the power and the strength in our hands. There's no way that Caden can hold this book. He doesn't have the strength in his hand. He's too small. But if I give this book of praise... To an elderly member who's struggling to have strength in his or her hands, they would also not hold this book. Or someone with ALS. We are limited, even although we have strong hands. With God, beloved, it's different. When He holds all things in His hands, It means that he has the power, the never-ending, eternal, providential power to hold them. Our Lord's hand is a very strong hand. 
And the catechism speaks here of almighty power. It, it goes beyond all power. It surpasses all might. And this means that all power are completely dominated by and subjected to the power of God. For we know that the Lord grants his creatures a certain amount of power. For example, an, an, an elephant is stronger than a kangaroo. One country could have a stronger economy or military force than another country. And sometimes you hear children, young children, arguing about whose dad is the strongest. But all earthly powers, no matter how great, lie in God's hand, in a grip that cannot be broken. This power of God is always there. It is never lacking. It is constant upholding and governing without any ceasing. God never slumbers or sleeps. He looks after his children with immense power. Also the little ones in our midst. In that sense, it is an omnipresent power. God's strength is everywhere and there is no area which is free from his dominion. Which means that there is never a moment in which we are beyond his care and outside of his attention. In all places, through all times, God's hand finds me, holds me, leads me. The Catechism specifies exactly what the Lord upholds and governs by his almighty power, namely, heaven and earth and all creatures. Notice here that both places and persons are mentioned. Both the place where God is, where God has his throne, where the angels are arrayed around him to serve him in glory. That dimension that we only read about and know that our loved ones are there, but whom none of us has seen. God's power is there, as well as on this little planet. We're living on the earth with these mighty mountains, bottomless seas, creatures, plants, animals, and people in their millions, including little Caden. All these are held under the dominion of God. He causes it all to exist in a determined harmony and leading it to his specific goal. If something is stopped, it is because God has closed his hand. If something has happened, it is because, because God has opened his hand. For he is in complete control. That's what his providential power means. Now, taking this in consideration, are we then not comforted when it comes to His power in giving us His Son? That's our second point. It's evident in the gift of His Son. But 
Beloved, as I've mentioned in the introduction, knowledge of God's power in creation and in His sovereign providence enables us to be patient in adversity and thank the Lord in all things. But it also gives assurance of salvation and confidence that we will persevere in a state of grace until the ends of our lives. And the Heidelberg Catechism looks to Romans 8, verse 38 to 39 as a proof text for the benefits of assurance and confidence. It is easy to see why the authors of the Catechism chose this passage when we consider what the Spirit says through Paul in the immediate context. For following his discussion of the believer's war against the remaining sin in Romans 7, the Apostle directs us in Romans 8 to the work of Christ and our justification by faith alone. And he does so to assure us of our reconciliation to the Father and also to give us hope for sanctification, that the growth in holiness, verse 1 to 16. This faith is sovereignly worked in us by the Holy Spirit. It is rooted in our Creator's sovereign predestination of His people. A predestination that also includes, includes our glorification and the consummation of our redemption in the life to come. And then Romans 9 stresses God's sovereignty in salvation. His right to show mercy and effect the redemption of of his elect. So when Paul in this chapter then asks, who will bring any charge against God's elect? He answered, it is God who justifies. And therefore he means God is the judge. And he has already acquitted us. Even the Lucadan. And since it is God who justifies, our justification can never be overthrown. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us that He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Beloved, we are secure from all charges against us. If we have been declared not guilty by the highest judge in the land, in the cosmos, who can bring additional charges against us? Paul could then also ask, who is to condemn? Now we have heard the words of condemnation, that there is no way God could love us as sinners. And those words of condemnation don't come from God. Those words come from one who doesn't want us in the arms of our Heavenly Father. Revelation 12 verse 10 tells us that there is one who stands before God day and night accusing Christians of their sin. He is the one whose name means accuser. The Bible calls him Satan. And, and one ca- could, could possibly picture it in this way. Here's, here's God, the judge, sitting behind his huge bench, and, and we are brought before him. And, and Satan starts ranting about our sins and all the terrible things we've done in our life. 
but we have the greatest defense attorney in the world. It is Jesus Christ who indeed intercedes for us. And Jesus, so to speak, sits there patiently while Satan jumps around yelling about how bad we are and that we don't deserve to go to heaven. And finally exhausted, Satan slumps in a chair, smile on his face because he knows what a lousy sinner we are and he's confident he won his case. And then God asks Jesus what his defense for you and me, for us, is. And Jesus rises and approaches the bends and wordlessly hold out his hands. And God says, case dismissed. And Satan storms out, defeated again. Now with that in mind, that reality of God's judgment seed and our acquittal of it because of Christ we can understand while Paul questions or asks this question if God is for us who is against us who is against Caden and so in reading chapter 8 verse 38 to 39 we find the essential link between the Lord's sovereign providence and the assurance that God cannot stop loving His people. Once our Father decided to set His special saving love on us, nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from that love. Because this special love is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 39 which gives us further confidence that God's people are forever secure in His love. The Father and the Son are united in their purpose to save the elect. God the Father has loved us in Christ Jesus His Son, and He has given us to the Son. And therefore, to let anything or anyone separate us from His Son would diminish the love he has for his son. After all, those whom the father has gifted to his son cannot be taken from his son. The perfectly loving father would never take back his gift to his son. In John 10, verse 27 to 30, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone Snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So when Paul says nothing can separate us from God's love, he means that even we cannot snatch ourselves from His hand. If we have true faith, we will maintain that faith until the end. Sure, times of doubt may arise, and it's even possible to fall into grievous sin. Yet if we belong to Christ today, we will belong to Him forever. This should encourage us to draw near to God, to the Lord, 
even when we feel far away from him. If we come humbly, beloved, he will not reject us. He can and will accept us. Thanks to his providential power. Isn't this such, such a great comfort, brothers and sisters Dijkstra, with regarding to Caden? It is sure. Only God can promise to powerfully provide his covenant children to remain what they are. In baptism and Lord's Supper, his to eternity. Amen.